to the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated home for all Crimson Tide athletics. I'm your host, Tyler Martin. Alongside me is Joey Blackwell, staff writer at BamaCentral.com, and here to recap over the weekend everything that went on in the SEC, including Alabama's 63-3 thrashing of the Kentucky Wildcats. Joey, uh, you know, just just a, just a you know a day unlike any other in the SEC, really. You know, each week continues to present weird things. Like right now, we're recording this podcast late Saturday night, and Georgia's up 31-24 on Mississippi State. I didn't even expect that game to be close, right? And I didn't expect Alabama to win this game against Kentucky by 60 points. No, it's been a crazy week uh, in the SEC, as you said. You know, and an even crazier day in Bryant-Denny, of course. The line was at 35. Alabama, everybody thought that Alabama was going to win, but maybe not quite by that margin. Excellent uh, defensive play from Alabama. Sluggish start, but they got better and better, of course, only allowing 27 yards of rushing and zero yards passing in the second half. So incredible uh, effort by the defense. No, And that makes also two straight weeks with no, def- uh, no touchdowns allowed by Alabama. Yeah, let's start right there. You know, you, you hit the nail on the head, right? The defense continues to progress, continues to play some of its best football. Even Jordan Battle after the game said, you know, they feel like they can continue to improve and their best football is ahead of them. You know, Joey, you look at this Alabama offense. Mac Jones, 230 yards, uh, had an interception. He almost had another one, too. Actually, two other ones that got dropped. Um, you know, maybe not his best game. But, you know, obviously Alvin has asked to do with much because you look at the way they ran the football, especially with Najee Harris, and especially with the plays Devontae Smith was making, right? Like, when Mac did throw the football, he found Devontae Smith. And, and Devontae Smith becoming the all-time leader in Alabama's history and the SEC's history in receiving touchdowns, it's pretty phenomenal. Just what did you think about the duo with, with Mac and Devontae and overall the, the game through the air? You know, <clears throat> nine receptions uh, on 13 targets, you know, 144 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, Devontae Smith is, you know, pass, if you pass a, a name like Amari Cooper for most touchdowns in program history, that that's obviously, you know, something worthy of, of, of recognition. Um, you know, but also turning it, you know, turning it also over to talk about Najee Harris for a little bit, you know. Uh, he scored his uh, 15th and 16th touchdowns today, which, of course, is the most in, in, uh, in SEC history through the first seven games of the season. Now, of course, the season's abridged due to COVID-19. Looks like if the LSU game is canceled, they'll only play nine regular season games. So imagine what this guy could have done had they had a 12-game season. But, you know, overall, you know, let's talk about, you know, overall stats for this offense. You know, 509 total yards, 283 in the air, 226 on the ground, only four penalties. Just, just an impressive um, outing by Alabama's offense today. So, Joey, where does this – I mean, you know, everybody this year wants to talk about the Heisman Trophy, and especially in a year like this when it's kind of hard to measure guys against one another because the, the comparable numbers, you know, everybody plays a different amount of games. So you have different sample sizes, right? Mm-hmm. Today, Ohio State, they beat Indiana 42-35, to but Justin Fields, three interceptions – he was, he was the front runner right there alongside, you know, Mac Jones, alongside Kyle Trask of Florida, who Florida struggled with Vanderbilt today, 38-17. They struggled a little bit. Um, and Mac Jones, you know, he had a quiet game of 230 yards, like I said, and then two touchdowns. Um, Trevor Lawrence didn't get to play the Florida State. Clemson game was, um, was, was postponed due to a positive case. You know, right when they arrived in Tallahassee, they found out from Friday's test. Um, but do you think – I don't know if it's going to happen or not, Joey, but – Najee Harris and Devontae Smith, they deserve more credit in this Heisman Trophy race. Uh, I don't think they're going to get it because it's a quarterback's award. Um, But where do you think things kind of stand right now in the Heisman race? Do you think 
this is Mac versus Trask, or what's your take on that? Well, I think with, with I think in my personal, and obviously we're a little biased, um, but I still go Mac Jones. I think the reason he's not the favorite right now is you have to consider that, of course, with Jalen Waddle being out for the season, maybe coming back, but probably not. Um, but with Jalen Waddle being injured out for the season at Tennessee, I think there's still kind of a hangover there as far as how well can Mac, uh, per, how much can Mac produce without Jalen Waddle, of course, in that lineup. Um, but no, Mac Jones had a great night tonight, you know, 16 for 24, 230 yards, two touchdowns. He did have that one pick. Um, I think one thing that will help his campaign, he just needs to get more touchdowns on the board, which I think that's the main factor that he's missing, um, since Waddle got injured, you know, and that also hurts his passing yards because Waddle was that consistent deep threat. I'm not saying that wide receivers like Devontae Smith and John Mechie can't do that, but we just haven't seen that type of production since Waddle was hurt. Um, but if, you know, if compared to Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, Justin Fields and Mac had pretty comparable days today. Um, although Mac was much more uh, consistent with his, uh, catch and attempts, but, um, I still have Mac number one. I, I, after this week, I put Fields at two and we still have yet to see Trevor Lawrence, of course, play, um, since COVID-19. So we'll have to see what happens there. Yeah. You know, he's, he's overcome the virus and he was expecting to play today. He put it on Twitter. You know, he was, he was pretty angry about not being able to play. And you got to think Dabo wants to get him the touches and wants to be able to hit, allow him to pass some stats because they were going to pass stats. Florida State is atrocious. Florida State is terrible. So they were going to be able to, to you know, some, throw some numbers up there, some big-time numbers. And I think this year, Joey, when we look at Alabama, when we look at all these teams and specifically awards, things like that, we've got to look at who is most valuable. Not who has the best numbers, but who is most valuable, right? Justin Fields. Like, he threw three picks today. You've only got seven games this season to really prove your worth to the Heisman Trophy, to, uh, to the Heisman Trophy Selection Committee, or the voters. And, you know, I don't, I think if you have a, you know, you continue to turn football over, we can see Fields kind of teeter out of this, I think, right? Um, because that Ohio State, um, you know, the he, like I said, he, he struggled throwing the football. And then Ohio State as a whole, if they're not careful and not get stuff short up on the defense side of the football, they could lose a game, right? Like, anything's possible. And then with Trevor Lawrence, you know, he hasn't played in, golly, over a month, close to a month and a half. So, with Mac Jones, you're getting consistency. With Kyle Trash, you're getting consistency. But this could also, with these other quarterbacks kind of falling off, this allows like a Najee Harris to Devontae Smith to get in there. And so, you know, you look at years past, right? Kyler Murray over to a Tonga Valoa. Kyler Murray had better stats. Now, was Kyler Murray more valuable to Oklahoma than Tua was to Alabama? Probably not. Um, was Joe Burrow the most valuable player to LSU over Jalen Hurts last year at Oklahoma? Yes, yes. So this is the kind of year, again, where you have to look at it and say, who is most valuable? And I think it's Mac Jones. I really do. If you take away Mac Jones, do you think Bryce Young does put Bryce Young as up? No, because he's still a freshman, and we've seen – and he, he looked good. The two throws he had against Kentucky uh, on Saturday night, they look good. But Mac Jones is the most valuable player to his team in college football. I believe that. Um, and, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, I think this is going to still boil down to the SEC championship game. Um, and it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this race come down. You know, if you had posed the question to me before Trevor Lawrence had COVID-19, if you posed the question to me who's the most valuable player on their respective team, it would probably would have been Trevor Lawrence. Now, my thoughts on that have completely changed now because now, now that you're looking at Clemson when Trevor Lawrence was out, you had DJ Uyangalale, which is a mouthful, as I always say on this podcast. You had DJ, DJ Uyangalale get out there and performed just pretty much at the same level. Now, of course, he, struck, uh, he had the Boston College game, which is which was kind of a one-off because Boston College played the game of their life on defense in that game. But, you know, he threw for over 400 yards against Notre Dame. They had a really great game. Notre Dame beat them fair and square. Now, of course, Clemson fans are going to all say, oh. It was you know, a double overtime. Yeah, yeah. They said, they all, we would have won if Trevor Lawrence hadn't been there. If Trevor Lawrence had been in there. I'm not so sure. When you look at the production of Uyangalale. So, 
Trevor Lawrence, while still valuable to this team, I don't think he provides them with that with the extra edge that when you look at Alabama, you have between Mac Jones and Bryce Young. Yeah, you, you can't say that Trevor Lawrence would have made a difference. Your defense gave it 47 points. You, exactly. I mean, your defense gave it 47 points. Which was actually the problem the week before against Boston College. You know, everybody was expecting the Clemson offense to slow down when, in fact, I mean, the, the offense kind of remained the same and the defense was what was slacking off when Lawrence wasn't on the field. So... Uh, that's just, that's my, my thoughts on that. Yeah, and uh, the, the game just got the update. The game in Jordan-Hare just went final. Auburn 30, Tennessee 17. Uh, kind of getting our reaction live. Now we're, we're looking toward the Iron Bowl, Joey. And, uh, you know, look at Tennessee. Tennessee was able to run the football really, really successfully against Auburn. Over 225 yards on the ground. Um, pretty phenomenal stuff. And you look at how Alabama's been running the football with Najee. Um, and B-Rob, you know, he, he didn't get as many touches uh, against Kentucky as he might have liked, but he still ran hard. And those two running backs, Chase McClellan and Roy Dale Williams, they they took care of those advantages, they, the opportunities they had in the fourth quarter. Uh, looking ahead, Joey, to the Iron Bowl, kind of want to get your take. Um, you know, how do you kind of see this matchup sizing up, you know, before, uh, you know, before Saturday? I mean, obviously Alabama is going to – should, on paper, um, take this game. Um, I don't see Alabama struggling like they did last year with, with Bo Nix. I don't think Mac Jones throws two pick sixes this year. Um, you know, after the game today, um, Najee Harris and Devontae Smith were asked about their thoughts about the Iron Bowl, and they said, oh, it's just another game. I don't believe them. Um, I think there's a lot of bad blood this year uh, between these two teams, especially after what happened last year with Alabama still having a chance to make the CFP, and, of course, that game pretty much sealing their fate. Um, I think Alabama runs away with this, especially it being in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Um, the home field advantage um, won't help Alabama, but they've shown so far this year they don't need that. Um, so I think Alabama wins this one pretty handily. Yeah, and, and two, Joey, you know, when the Iron Bowl's in Tuscaloosa, Auburn has a hard time winning with the exception of 2010 and maybe some years in the past. But, like, when the game's in Auburn, I mean, Alabama has a hard time winning. So, you know, it, it's interesting to me when you look at it, the numbers of when the game's in Tuscaloosa, when the game's in Auburn, the difference in competitiveness, right? Like, Alabama's going to be around probably, uh, you know, close to a 20-point favorite in this game. And it's, um, you know, it's the Iron Bowl. It's still going to be a lot of fun. Um, but kind of going back, Joey, before we get to the Iron Bowl, Tuesday night, the playoff committee is going to announce its first rankings. Going to announce its first rankings. And uh, it's, I can't wait to see what their thinking is because the AP poll right now, even though Alabama is number one and we've got the rankings there and the coaches poll, those are meaningless compared to what the playoff poll is, right? Those are the things that actually matter. And I'm curious if they're going to be thinking along the same lines as those two polls that I just mentioned. Um, and where they stand on the two four best teams in the country. Me and you were talking earlier about this. Um, the four best co- teams, in my opinion, right now. So if I'm on the playoff committee, and which, by the way, I love that they're meeting in person. They're doing this over the next, like, eight weeks or so. And I love what Bill Hancock said. He said, if they're playing in person, we can meet in person. So I love that I love that mindset. He kind of got a little heat behind that. But the four best teams in college football right now to me, it, oh, I wouldn't say best, maybe I'd say the most deserving to get in the playoff right now is Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Florida. Joey, who are your who are your four teams right now if the playoff happened uh, next weekend and you had to pick on Tuesday, like the committee's going to do? Who's your who's your four teams right now? It's it's eerily similar to yours. Uh, the thing is that in my mind, you know, I there's there's two different questions. And so, you know, who's the best, most deserving right now and who do I think is going to ultimately end up? which you'd have two different, completely different slates of, of teams. 
Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it's yours. You know, I would also go Alabama 1. I'd go to Ohio State 2. Notre Dame 3 because they beat Clemson. I think that's going to change by the end of the year. And I'd have Florida at 4, also a team that I think is going to change by the end of the year, which we can talk about that maybe in another podcast. But, yeah, it, it's similar to you. I think as of right now, those are the four teams that deserve to go the best because obviously Alabama is undefeated. Notre Dame's undefeated. Uh, Ohio State's undefeated. Florida has, of course, beaten Georgia. The only team they lost to is A&M, which, once again, we'll talk about that in another podcast. But, uh, no, those four teams and the way Kyle Trask is playing right now, I think that pushes Florida into that fourth spot. Yeah, you know, the thing about Texas A&M, right, they haven't played in over three weeks because they had their game against Tennessee postponed. They had their game against Ole Miss postponed. We just haven't seen Texas A&M recently. And I feel like whenever you're making the first rankings, right, like, I wouldn't be surprised if A&M is five and Florida is four. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that on Tuesday because it's what have you done for me lately? And what A&M's done for me, they've been on the bench, right? Like, And we saw it a little bit. Alabama was a little sluggish, right, to start the game, especially on defense. Like, Kentucky was getting a lot of hard runs. I mean, they were getting to the edge. I mean, Kentucky would – I mean, outside of some miscues in the red zone, some penalties, and then the botched snap, like the botched hold, guess what? Kentucky made it interesting for one quarter, right? And we saw with Auburn and Tennessee. Auburn was very slow because they had to play. So what's Tennessee going to look like when – or excuse me, what's Texas A&M going to look like when they get back on the field? My one, my one, my one counterpoint to, to your point uh, in defense of Texas A&M for me is that, first off, the only team they've lost to is Alabama. That can be forgiven. It happened earlier in the season. But they've also beaten Florida more, more recently. Um, but on top of that, if you're uh, – Yes, uh, Texas A&M has had two games postponed. They can still have both those games made up if they play on if they have a game on the nineteenth. On top of that, if we have a team like Ohio State in the top four who's played the same number of games against far inferior opponents, yet they're undefeated, I can make an argument for A&M to sneak into that fourth spot, especially if Alabama beats Florida and if uh, Notre Dame can beat Clemson again. I can definitely see that happening. Yeah, uh, for, for, for A&M, I mean, if everything continues the way it is for A&M to get in the playoff, they need Alabama to beat Florida because Florida can't win that in Alabama. Because if, if Florida beats Alabama and Atlanta, then Florida and Alabama are both getting in. I mean, that's the bottom line. They're both getting in because Alabama, at that time, if they don't play LSU, they'd be 9-1. Florida would be 10-1. Florida's getting into the playoff as a, as a, as a one-loss conference champion. And so um, – Texas A&M needs a couple things to roll their way. I just think, too, like, with the playoffs, in deciding these teams, like, you know, the teams that – I'm going to value the teams that are that have been on the field, right? Because this whole thing – Saban's talked about this as well. Like, these outbreaks with the viruses, you can essentially can control this because you can control who you're hanging out with. You can control who enters your program. You can you can control these things. And you got to not be complacent and not have a disregard to do the wrong, wrong or not have a disregard to not do the right things. And Alabama, they've done a phenomenal job of of, you know, of doing that. They had a couple of guys out today, but it's like it's not putting their season in jeopardy, right? Like it's not doing that. So, um, that's why I'm curious, Joey, and I want to get your opinion on this before we kind of wrap things up. Does the Coastal playoff need to be postponed? I don't believe so. Um, you know, if, you, if we were seeing a drastic number of games, like if, if the SEC had another week this week, like it did the like it did last week, where you had most of the like more than half of the games canceled, if you started seeing that consistently across all the conferences, then yes, maybe postpone the the CFP until later in January. However, I think last week, at least, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, thoughts and prayers, that last week was last week was just an anomaly. 
Um, as of right now, I don't think it needs to be postponed because I think it doesn't really affect teams like Alabama and Florida in their chances to make the playoff. Um, now, a team like Texas A&M might argue, hey, we should postpone it or push it back to see if these teams can play these games and lose to give them a shot. But as of right now, it doesn't necessarily affect the standings in the Power Five conferences. Yeah, because right now they're worried about it. If you can't play on January 1st, you can't play the semifinals, do you bump it back? Or do you have a team in waiting like the fifth seed? If the fourth seed can't play, do you bring the fifth seed up? Like, like what's the whole thing? I, 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 at the end of the day, I'm like, as long as this season needs to continue, as long as, as, long as it needs to go, that's how long it needs to go, right? Like, you, we want to extend this thing. We want to push it out because we want the best teams playing. And uh, and me and you, Joe, we're both, we both agree on who should be the four we see on Tuesday night uh, being the first four, right? The first four, that's, that's pretty pivotal. And, and it's going to kind of give us the roadmap and, and how the committee's thinking. Um, but I fully expect to see Alabama number one. Actually, maybe Notre Dame number two. Ohio State three. And then Florida at four. Um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe Clemson gets in that fourth spot. I don't know what they're thinking because – what what loss do you value more, right, Joe? Do you value a loss to Texas A&M or do you value a loss to Notre Dame more? Well, I think the committee is going to be thinking about Trevor Lawrence. I know that it probably. I know we just discussed how that probably didn't play as big of an impact as a lot of people think it did. Yes, but I don't think I. I think they're going to put a lot of stock in that and keep Clemson in the top four. Um, I I think that Clemson stays in the top four. I think Florida is out, but of course that contradicts what we said earlier. But these are our personal. Top four is not what we think is going to happen. Yes. Uh, but, Joey, thanks again for hopping on here, man. Alabama continues to roll a 60-point victory. I mean, I think it was the fifth time in Nick Saban's era that he's had a 50-plus point win over an SEC team. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. So, thanks for hopping on here, recapping that, and getting ready for you know Tuesday's announcement. It's going to be a lot of fun. And basketball season starts on Wednesday. Uh, we'll be looking forward to that. Looking forward to Alabama hitting the hardwood against Jacksonville State. Excited to see what Nanos can do. And, uh, Joe, we know, you know, me and you are both going to have us all have everybody covered. And, again, thanks for coming on here, man. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. And uh, looking forward to some, what, some basketball and Iron Bowl. <laughs> for Joey Blackwell, I'm Tyler Martin. This has been the All Things Bama Podcast. <laughs>